The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Getting out, like it's not. It's one thing to get on the dock. It's another thing to get on the water. And John is helping a lot of people do that. Um, I want you to walk us through your perfect day on the water. So let's say you're out there in one of these craft you've designed. Paint us a little picture. Um, who are you taking out there? What are you guys throwing? Um, walk us through that. Okay, I'm going to go into a, it's a smallmouth bass fishing adventure, but I think, you know, the fishing is the is the key here. So th- this was a, uh, a vision I had when I started this project 10 years ago that I would eventually be a passenger and not a driver in a adaptive fishing uh, outing so what happened my friend mark is a t-level spinal cord injury so he fished last august once we were comfortable with the pandemic he fished off my 10-foot uh adaptive rowboat here in nanaimo on a, on a little long a little lake we call long lake for a smallmouth bass and mark's very schooled at that fishery so he uh went fishing by himself in the boat with an electric trolling motor. I watched over in a support boat, but basically he fished independent of anybody by himself solo and validated the the vision I had in my head. So then what happened in late August, Mark purchases a a towing hitch for his uh, Toyota RAV4, which was a personal trophy for me to go, wow, this guy's, this guy's getting ready to go get his own boat because of my actions he is confident and comfortable enough that he wants to get his own boat and be his own captain so septemberish early septemberish mark finds the boat a 14 foot 1448 low john boat purchases it then asks me to help him get into his boat he needs my skill set to help him modify the boat so we go to cutting out the rear bench seat, creating a 60 inch by 48 inch deck that Mark occupies from his wheelchair next to his 20 horse Merc and his electric trolling motor. And we, I, I went to his house. He backs up to the trailer with his really cool backup camera that I didn't even have to give him directions to get the ball under the tongue. So he pulls it in. I go over, drop the trailer onto the ball, hook up the wiring and the uh, safety hooks. I jump in the passenger seat and get driven to the lake. He backs down the boat ramp. I take care of the boat while he pulls the trailer out, parks the trailer. I set up the appropriate loading ramps that allows Mark to access his boat. He jumps in the boat, rolls into the boat. I put the ramps on top of the the trailer where he's parked. 
then I jump in the boat and off we go. Absolute, that, another Mount Everest situation that I had in my head that became reality in front of my eyes. And it was a very beautiful moment to go, okay, I get to be a passenger today and this is Mark's boat and we're going to go fishing. <laughs> How empowering was that for him? Yeah, it's it's very powerful. Yeah, that's wild. Sorry. Hard to put the words right now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, man, I, I think that's really cool what you're doing. So do you get out with Mark a fair bit? Yeah, he uh, we've been out three times, and he contacted me today, <laughs> and he's saying <laughs> it's time to get some lines wet <laughs> well, in, his, in his text. When, when I talked like, to you. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to you earlier tonight, and you're like, are we still on? I'm like, oh, yeah. And you're like, well, uh, can we do it from the water? I'm like, absolutely. But I just, I, I don't know what the cell reception's like, but sure. Yeah, yeah. So to, to have Mark, uh, yeah, just the ultimate, I call it the ultimate fishing buddy scenario because I get to be the critical assistant, but I'm also the fishing buddy going, okay, let's go find some fish and have some fun. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It kind of marks the template for many different uh, fisher, fishing situations, depending on age or style of injury. He is the video example that I get to share on my social media scrapbook, I call it, of this is, you know, this could be you and your, your grandpa or your, this is you and your best buddy if they, you know, chose to copy what we're doing. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Flyfish 97 podcast. Really stoked you chose to join us. And we're going to head out to a beautiful part, one of, one of my favorite parts of, of, of the world that I've been to, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada, specifically Nanaimo. We've got John Pimlot on the line. Now, John, he's up to some pretty cool things on the island. So basically, he is working on giving people uh, the opportunity to get on the water, getting people with disabilities fishing again. So John is uh, building and designing universal access watercraft, which I think is super cool. Wheelchair accessible rowboats, that type of thing. John, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on the show. I'm stoked to uh, be able to share my uh, adventures with you. Well, I was looking at some of your YouTube vi videos, and uh, it's pretty cool what you've been up to. We had a mutual friend and Christine reach out and say, hey, man, you need to talk to John, and and, and, and I appreciate the fact she did that. Why don't um, – I always start kind of on your fishing journey uh, before we kind of dig deeper into what you're up to, and, and specifically fly fishing. Like how – how did you come to start fly fishing if you kind of look back to your, your past? Yeah, it's, uh, I think I've always kind of been a, 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 a troller, trolling with the traditional uh, heavy metal, as they call it, you no know, gang trolls and whatnot. And then <laughs> right. I, uh, somewhere, somewhere along the line, I morphed onto uh, uh, dragging just singular flies and lot, lots of trolling, of course, and uh, sort of an entry-level 
mm-hmm. fly fishing enthusiast, so I, uh, I do a ton of just trolling leeches and whatnot. And, uh, I'm respectful of the uh, the craft of casting a fly quite a bit. So, yeah, I think I just uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe how I think I just you know always I think I read somewhere no matter. Uh, how long it takes if you troll a fly you're always going to find fish <laughs> love that quote because yeah. you, know, you obviously gotta you gotta find the right colors and presentations but it's uh it's been a lot of fun well it's a lot different it's different trolling the i used to call them pots and pans right i mean you got like the fenders out there and the hardware and I, a lot of us started that way and and heck there's some people that still do it and hey whatever works but there's something special about just feeling the fish and not the rest of it you know what I mean? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's just, uh, yeah, it's become a, a very uh, zen-like place for me and my evening fishes on my tiny little lake hmm. with my uh, my favorite flies and the simplicity of just a, a lone fly. And uh, yeah, exactly. The the, the uh, simplicity is uh, very uh, very rewarding, I guess, when you yeah. when you get into the the nuts and bolts of colors and uh, speeds. And it uh, <laughs> seems like whatever I'm cornering is when that fly seems to get action, whatever it's dropping and yeah. I'm cornering the rowboat, uh, something always seems to happen. <laughs> hmm. If you had to look back and, and say, Hey, this person influenced me or, or, you know, um, either mentored me or I learned a lot from, from this gal, this guy, who would you look to as, as influences in your fishing? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it, Working in the space that I'm working in, and, and knowing Rick Hansen's, uh, you know, history of who he, you know, how he became injured, and and just that anything is possible mindset of Mr. Hansen, and then knowing that he's an avid fisherman, you can imagine for me my 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 bucket list to have to spend some time with him on some of my craft is kind of I call it my Mount Everest mm-hmm. uh, moments that uh, I hope to you know one day you know reach i guess and, uh yeah so it's it's been pretty special uh connecting with uh injured canadians right. that have the passion for fishing and putting those two together you know being able to hmm. potentially you know create that moment you know in the future tell me how this all started for you so rewind it back to the first kind of craft you started looking to put together uh, like walk me through your mental process like what made you go I need to do this. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I was, I, I, I have my mountain bikes collecting a lot of dust, but I was an avid mountain biker in my, my mid twenties and on in Victoria. When I, when I lived in Victoria on Vancouver Island, we had three or four key spinal cord injuries in our mountain bike park. So that's my, that was my first introduction into, uh, you know, traumatic, uh, life-changing injuries. And that kind of sat in my, you know, my memory as I developed my passion for watercraft uh, design, I guess. And then I thought of all those individuals that had, you know, life altering injuries that would benefit from the simple act of being able to go out on the water and go fishing, go bird watching, just be on the water. And, and uh, I think it was a culmination of, you know, I guess our our life life events that you witness and and your I guess thought process to create a solution to what you feel would be important to somebody. So it's like yeah. a beautiful big beautiful light bulb 
of an idea and going how many folks that have an injury to their lower body that could still fly cast, spin cast, and they can still enjoy life. And they just need somebody to find a way to get them into the uh, into the game again, I call it. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Because, I mean, I'm sure there's some, ro- I mean, there's roadblocks. It's hard enough to get, you know, as an able-bodied person, it's hard enough to get out in the water sometimes. Um, it can be challenging, you know. Um, you, you definitely, I'm sure you need the, uh, at least a boat launch. You know, you're not probably, or maybe you are, I don't know. Maybe you're hiking this thing through the shrubs. <laughs> I don't know, but um, <laughs> talk to me about, you, you strike me as an inventor because um, you and I had some previous conversations and I have a feeling you've always got something up your sleeve, something you're always working on. Yeah, exactly. I'm always the, the wheel, the, the squirrel cage or the, the squirrel, the, the, the wheel of uh, yeah. thought is always spinning, I guess, and, and different uh, tangents, as I like to say. And uh, it's a pretty cool thing. I think universal design and uh, activity solutions, uh, you know, uh, designed a one-armed fishing rod reel system for my friend who survived a stroke and and just the it's really quite something but i think when you start an initial project and the little spin-off projects that come off that mindset all of a sudden you've got five or eight burners going design wise where you're like okay yeah i'm thinking about this and other ones are they're designed and done at, at the initial thought of you know how do i create this solution for the situation so it's Mm. it's quite a quite a thing to try and put to words and describe to you know creating that answer to you know what someone in that situation has been waiting for and that's always kind of baffled baffled me as to no one else has thought of it but you know i guess someone we got to start somewhere so we're going to start right now and start uh you know testing and designing and find you know my greatest uh, thing out of the, this whole journey has been the test anglers that I found that helped me test the ideas. That's probably my greatest gift mm. is finding people that are comfortable with what I'm doing and are, agree to come and help me test the concept. And, you know, right. the, the, mom- the moments are gold after that. And it's, again, one of those... Uh, drop the mic kind of moments. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it starts with a thought, right? Uh, everything does. And then just the intention of like, this is what I'm going to set out to do. You must have some, quite a bit of tenacity in your DNA <laughs> to, to, it's one thing to come up with an idea. It's another thing to see it through to fruition. Um, walk us through like the, the process. Okay. So the first boat that you designed and worked on, Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yes. So I, uh, the entire project starts from a uh, Nanaimo Fishing Game uh, Association installs these uh, wheelchair accessible docks on three or four of the uh, in, inner city lakes in Nanaimo. So there, that's that's the jump off point for my, my first vision and mindset to go, well, how, why not get these individuals that can occupy a watercraft out trolling some flies on the, on the lake where we're catching far more fish than sitting at the dock. But, and so the design studio is that act of the fishing game individuals that chose to make the lakes accessible 
from Water's Edge. And then my, I guess my vision being out rowing on the lake and looking back at the person on the dock and then looking at my oars and then looking at the boat that I'm rowing, a 10-foot generic rowboat, and realizing all I have to do is empty the interior of the boat, make a few adjustments, inside the boat which becomes the, the rowing chair and then make the appropriate adjustments to the oar lock or rowing posture and just beautiful moment right where the, that person is sitting where i'm sitting when i come up with the idea and they basically validate my the vision i had in my head right at the start and they're they're in their ability boat, as I call the first the first ten foot rowboat, and we're doing it. And you're just kind of like, wow, did, I guess this thing works. And you're kind of you're always I always pad my optimism a bit with with the you know logic, but it <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, yeah, it's one of those beautiful beautiful uh, experience to try and put to words. <laughs> yeah. So. Um... Name some people you've been working with. So obviously you've gotten to know, I'm sure, um, I don't want to say clients, I'm sure they're friends now, but the people that you've been working with that have been helping you kind of design these crafts and kind of spend time on the on the H2O. Um, who are you working with right now? Yeah, so I've, a beautiful story. I just I just, uh, just uh, sent a message to my friend Tim, who's a employee at, at Cabela's Nanaimo store. Mm-hmm. Tim is... Uh, suffered a, a a traumatic brain injury 17 years ago and he's uh, recovered to a to a percentage from that but he's uh, wheelchair bound and has mobility impairments but he is uh, he's good to go and he is going to come fishing in the the 10 foot boat with an electric trolling motor and he's going to be going fishing solo by himself hmm. and I'm going to be watching over in my support uh, support boat basically filming him and we're going to uh, watch him net his own fish and uh, release it or take it home to fry it. And we're going to uh, basically really showcase for Tim's situation, an example of what can be done with, uh, with uh, design and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, fortitude. (laughs) Is there plans to make uh, this, uh, scalable or I mean wh- what's what's the end game I mean I, I get I get your you're putting smiles on people's faces getting getting people out in the water uh, that that ordinarily would have a you know a, a tough time getting there um, and I assume it's a very stable craft because it sounds like and I and some of your videos I watch I'm like oh man that's uh that's a platform you know is there any plans to make this kind of scalable um, that uh, you know can kind of extend access elsewhere yes exactly that's the we're still like i call myself i think of myself still early in my design uh journey getting getting someone with serious uh credentials to acknowledge the design and want to take it to the next level which is a interesting animal in uh, there's a lot i think there's some anxiety in disabilities and watercraft access so i think it's it's Mm. uh a a uh, a journey to be explored as far as whether a fishing game club or a BC Wildlife Federation would want to take part in such a 
exercise to see if there's a way to get a safe, insurable activity to individuals of said fish and game club that obviously have the mobility impairment, but wish they could find that special boat or platform craft that would allow them to go fishing twice a month or five times a month or access, you know, a beautiful program. I, I, I continually tell people this is such a beautiful play for uh, fishing game clubs or, or any community organization that would embrace it and find a way to make it an insurable activity program where you've just basically got to put folks in the boat. And I think the, uh, the end result will create its own traction with activity yeah. and quality of life and, and user user usage period. You know, if, you, if it, no one's using the boat, it's, not going to be a very viable project but if right. that boat's busy and people are are donating to that nonprofit or joining that fishing game club or community organization then the the traction starts where people are like huh yeah look at that no, dad's I, gonna love this i think it's really cool you're doing that i mean like uh you gotta be committed to the process, right? Um, and so how, does this take up a lot of your time day to day? Because I know you got a full-time job, uh, you know, in the window industry as a, a glazier. How much time does yeah, this exactly. take up? It must take up a little bit of your time, your spare time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hobby hustle that uh, I somehow make work. And I feel so fortunate to have been, to have such an inspiring hobby that I never, I never get, bummed or I, I never worry about progress. I just keep grinding. I keep chipping away. Some people use the term side hustle. I don't know if there's a product or a, <laughs> a consumer product in this, but I, I kind of don't worry about it. I just yeah. keep creating the moments. And I love social media because I can just document my my adventures and throw them on my Robot Revolution page. And I just, uh, the, the plan is just to get examples out there and continually keep evolving and, 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 if someone, you know, if I guess if I'm, I, I use the term, I'm fishing for that golden wallet, that angel investor or that interest from a credible uh, mm. entity within, you know, the recreation, recreational fishing, watercraft uh, activity culture. Yeah. And some, you know, somebody's going to go, wow, that's for rent at a little lake in sure. on the Okanagan Valley. That that little boat might might get might be busy or might it be a beautiful beautiful experiment for sure yeah no i think uh, i think it's awesome and i love the fact you're doing it because you want to and you're not letting anything get in the way it's not it's not you know is it scalable is it not scalable doesn't seem to be an issue for you you just want to put some smile on people's faces and i, I admire that yeah um yeah exactly. talk to me about rowboat revolutions because i followed you recently and uh where do we find rowboat revolutions yeah, face my Facebook page. I call it my scrapbook. So I'm not all tech savvy, and it's not a polished page. It's just raw uh, video uh, uh, postings and photos, and uh, it's just a, a it's a, a a notepad for my entire journey. Pretty much, it's quite a long page. If if you've got the time to go deep into it, there's some hmm. there's some great stuff in there, which is just a you know uh, it's a, a, a notes of my design journey from pretty much day one. And it's, uh, I'm so glad I did it because some people said, oh, you should write down your notes because, you know, you might have to write a book someday or somebody might want to do something. I said, in a way, the beauty of social media, 
I have basically chronicled my entire journey yeah. with all my with all my different designs and uh, individuals that I've impacted. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, I'm so stoked because it's kind of like here, just go to Robo Revolution. Like, you spend some time on there, and we can talk more or enjoy the page. And yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's very uh, it's great. It's well, just I, a nice I, way to. I was looking at some of your videos, John, on on Robot Revolution and via YouTube. Um, I got. I'm just curious. Like, do, do you shoot these videos yourself? They look pretty darn well done. If so, you're you're doing some amazing work. Or did you bring somebody in to shoot these vids? Yeah, I've got some. Uh, I think. Well, there's some media stuff. There's some great media stories. I've I've lost count of how many times I've been on uh, local uh, news and whatnot over the years. And AMI Media. Accessible Media Channel out of Toronto has a West Coast office, so they, ironically, <laughs> since I've talked to you, uh, the the host of the West Coast uh, uh, segments that they they travel around the uh, the province doing different uh, accessible uh, stories. And uh, Grant's uh, twenty seven. He's been out. He's fished a little. Contacts me and says, "Hey, John, just checking in to see if you got any new developments and new new stories you want to share." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, uh, Grant's." Uh, to have Grant uh, out fishing, I always think of fly fishing. I'm, uh, I play around with the concept of co-fishing. So you would be casting for Grant, and then you'd finish your cast, and then you'd hand the fly rod to Grant, and Grant would be paying the line in in such a way through the person's coaching and trying to catch a fish hmm. as a team. <laughs> cool. Which, uh, yeah, it's, and I again, I I think of. When I think of that, I think of our senior fly fishing enthusiasts that no longer can cast because of life and mm-hmm. and and stuff. And now they're back in the game, and you're the caster, and they're the retriever, and yeah. trying to find that uh, that nice twenty inch rainbow. <laughs> I always remember um, one of my uh, buddies' dads. I, I ran into him, and he was in his mid eighties, maybe pushing ninety even. And uh, I asked him. Uh, asked him how fishing was doing and he says you know what i can't get in the damn boat and i thought like this is also an age thing right like as we get older the mobility doesn't usually increase unless you're in amazing shape i mean most of us tend to age and slow down a little bit so for me i see a lot especially as populations age like this could help people not only with disabilities but people that you don't just have access issues in general yeah, de- de- declining agility where they're right. not necessarily disabled, but they're just not jumping into a boat like they did when they were 65. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, hip, the hip's not <laughs> quite the same, right? It's like you sit on a boat seat for eight hours, and I don't care how old you are, you feel it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my uh, my bucket list senior scenario is someone's just come off hip surgery, and the wife's like, get him out of here, take him fishing. And we got it all set up. He's comfortable mm-hmm. and we're out just chasing a few fish and that person's uh, quality of life as they recover from their, you know, their new hips, they're, uh, they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We've got um, John Pimlot on the line out of Nanaimo, BC. Now John's up to some pretty cool things, getting people uh, with disabilities fishing again out on the water. He's got these craft that he's designing that basically, um, I don't want to say a floating barge, but some of these are pretty damn stable. W- would you agree? Yeah, exactly. Like the the three canoe um, canoe raft. I, I I that was my very first uh, uh, project. And that thing was just it. 
I actually had a power wheelchair at one point. So power wheelchair is about 600 pounds, hmm. but with the three 16 foot canoes on a 12 foot beam. And it was basically a, it's basically taking your dock for a troll. And then the dock floats are the canoe hulls. So the canoe hulls obviously push through the water beautifully. I had a 32 pound uh, thrust trolling motor pushing that thing around hmm. on our small lakes here. Cool. And then basically I, built a beam inside each canoe to take the weight of the deck so that the load the pole wasn't getting killed by the weight of the deck inside each canoe was a beam basically a two by six flat beam and then the entire system was two by 12 leafs like a dining room table the whole thing disassembled into three separate canoes and then all your two by 12 leafs would load onto a trailer or a truck so you'd assemble it in about 45 minutes at water's edge so you could actually pack it through the bush if you felt like you wanted to do that and so it was a breakdown canoe dock, basically, and extremely safe. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's uh, and so that was a fun project. And then it it uh, it spawned the the accessible rowboat, and and the uh, the accessible rowing catamaran. And mm. uh, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing, right? Amazing design journey and uh, wellness journey. I like to say with the people that I've affected and. Yeah, their comments and and their the interactions with me are just like, I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. <laughs> well, I watched some of your videos and I could just tell that there's some genuine excitement and just I can't imagine like if I couldn't hit the water for any reason, I'd be crushed. I mean, I I don't <laughs> I I don't know that I'd want to wake up to be quite honest. Like it's like it's yeah. a huge part of my life, and I'm just thinking like if that got taken away, you know, like you said, it's one thing to sit on the shore and cast out but to actually get out there on the water that's um that's pretty special i'm sure yeah the w- w- with the uh with the rowboat setup in the uh, 2014-ish on i would actually would it would be a two-person scenario where i would be rowing and netting the fish and the the person fishing would be only one person fishing and they would be the rod holder. We wouldn't even put the rods in the rod holder and say no you just keep them in your hands and we're catching these west coast uh go fish rainbows the stock rainbows that are prevalent on the coast here and mm-hmm. it's just the best because it's basically a lightning strike for them when they get that first hit or that first fish on right they get the strike and it's just beautiful it's like fish on you know all the different reactions i would you know it was it's really quite uh something to behold it's <laughs> I, I want to take some time to get to know you a little bit you ready for a few questions that um, get to know your day to day and your time on and yeah. off the water? Yeah. Uh, all right. So, and I know the lake's kind of real close to you. You made it sound like it's in your backyard almost. Um, yeah. But if you're headed somewhere on the way to the water, what are you listening to in the truck? Uh, I'm a big, uh, big acoustic fan of uh, acoustic sort of uh, kind of pop pop music but uh ah mm-hmm. uh, you know oldies i guess you know a lot of jack fm because i'm, I'm oh, yeah. eight so I'm... yeah jack <laughs> fm yeah i know it I'm well sure got that. yeah it's yeah. like it's got the classics right, right? yeah yeah and, uh, yeah Good. big uh big big uh, uh unplugged acoustic uh yeah uh, fan for uh cool singer songwriter stuff and uh yeah i really really enjoyed that that uh genre right there and uh i've been getting into classical music a bit more now it's uh and 
been talking to a lot of seniors that uh, in my glass work, I end up talking to a lot of people about what I'm doing and what they're up to. If I, meet, I do work with musicians, they're musical people. I see a piano or a cello or mm-hmm. have the most amazing conversations. But, yeah, uh, yeah. We, a, I love talking music. It's always for me. It's just uh, it's it's such a big part of life. Let's yeah, say no, you're fly I'm, fishing on your favorite spot. So now you you know you, you you've hit your favorite um, go to still water. What 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 are you tying on the fly line more often than not? Like what would be a go to pattern for you? Yeah, the the bead headed olive green woolly bugger is just <laughs> I've. <laughs> Given that I've given that fly to so many individuals that I know in my little culture around the little lake here, and and they all come back to me going, "Wow, John, thanks. That that thing just catches so many fish." Yeah. So a little backstory to the olive green woolly bugger. I'm uh, early, maybe 2014-ish. There's a very, a very cool dock culture that fish the lake and eat regulars and stuff that uh, come down, and then a really nice uh, older uh, English Canadian gentleman, very. Uh, outgoing gentleman he comes down and he's walking onto the dock and he goes well if i only had one fish one fly to choose olive green woolly bugger so he's he's talking about the presentation and the fishability of that one fly and i always remember that and i was just i Mm. I wish i could find him and and thank him for that uh, that one comment so uh yeah a lot lot of bead-headed uh uh, pumpkin pumpkin head uh leeches yeah classic the other a little bit of orange uh the the fish seem to like uh, the tinsel bodied uh, leech patterns uh, mm-hmm. around here, but uh, I'm not uh, super schooled on on, uh, on on fly presentation. I I'm kind of a lazy leech troller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 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 golden. A lazy I'm a lazy leech troller. I'm I'm putting that in the that's in the vault. Yeah. And I, uh, I my most important invention is my my. Uh, craft brew beverage holder while i'm rowing so i have my i have a one ipa troll in the evening that's just beautiful a one ipa troll man so i start off my i always start off my fish i'll crack the beer and i pour a little bit in the water just to kind of thank the gods that you know (laughs) uh, the fishing gods and the you know quality of life gods because of the the journey i'm on i'm just kind of very thankful to be uh, enjoying uh dropping those flies into the water and I uh, started my, I started my fishing in Nanaimo, going to a to a gone fishing store here in Nanaimo, and uh, Lionel Hitu is a, a, um, a lure manufacturer out of Port Alberni. A very simplistic uh, presentation in his practice, his packaging. It's actually just got a box number for his to, to contact him. He doesn't even have email. There's not. <laughs> there's only one way. You can only contact him through mail, I think. Wow. Anyway, it's a it's a spinning black leech. So it's a black leech behind a little tiny spinner with a uh, a uh, a very small little chrome blade. And I went, I just when I picked it, I said, well, it's out of Port Alberni, and it's <laughs> must work because this this isn't a flashy blingy presentation as far as the packaging. It's just like here, buy this and yeah. try it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sure sure enough, I would wear them out. And uh, so the black leech, of course, classic. Uh, leech and the egg sucking leech he does a yeah. few variations and the uh, yeah the classic that's, uh, a, that's a good that's a go-to for sure i love that yeah especially in the fall i love that pattern yes i, I follow i follow uh, the west coast fishing and you always see a big beautiful rainbow even on in victorian stuff uh, some big big feature trout caught on 
a fly line, a full sink, and then a black leech pattern of some sort. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's that's a, that's classic. That's and... that's money. Um, where's yeah. your where's your favorite place to talk fishing? Like, is there a coffee shop near you? Is there a fly shop? Is there a watering hole? Is it social media? Where where do you get your fix on fishing when you're when you're not out there? You know, it, what, uh, it's pretty beautiful. So. I've got two uh, two dogs, a couple of uh, Mexican uh, rescue dogs, uh, corgi crosses. So I'm always walking my dogs in the park. Mm-hmm. So I'm about a thousand feet from the park and the water's edge from the from the neighborhood that uh, it's uh, is on the on the banks of the lake. So basically, I'm three three doors, three houses from the park gate when it's not locked, and I walk through the park constantly. And when you're walking the dogs, you come out on the dock just because coming out in the docks is part of the, the dog walking loop. So I'll just engage in conversation with whoever's there, depending on what's going on at the time. So it's become kind of a a speakeasy uh, fishing dock where you're seeing some regulars. Some of the folks, uh, Al's a nice uh, English Canadian guy. He's always got dog biscuits and the dogs just absolutely maul him and he feeds him 10 or 15 biscuits and you know, it's just quite, quite something. And we talk fishing and, and, uh, uh all kinds of, uh, uh topics. And, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's like yeah. a, a little, uh, that, you know, always find some of the regulars down and new people. And, uh, I like, yeah, I like the speakeasy. I like, I like the, the way you verbalize that. <laughs> a speakeasy on a dock. That sounds, that sounds like home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally it's like yeah. uh yeah we uh yeah it's it's quite something the uh you know right in the middle of nanaimo in a fairly fairly decent sized city and yeah. there's this you know everybody pops in for their one hour fish or their morning bite or you know people that can pop in <laughs> that are are uh, avid fishermen that can grab a quick couple couple of minutes or an hour of uh of dock fishing with their power bait and whatnot and nice it's uh it's pretty cool right so, are you are you a sports guy? Um, I always like to talk sports on the show. Like, is it the uh, Nanaimo Clippers for you? Is it is it hockey? Is it football? Is it baseball? Like, where where do you get your fix in sports? Yeah, I kind of follow the the VIU uh, Vancouver Island University sports teams. I'll I'll sort of keep in touch with where, how are everybody's doing in volleyball, basketball, and sort of that collegiate uh, mm-hmm. level being uh, being uh, right in Nanaimo. And I'm not I didn't grow up around hockey too heavily. I was down in Victoria, so I tend to follow soccer a bit more. Right. Footy, as we call it. <laughs> have, you, have you been watching this uh, Concacaf qualifying? It's been pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. I eh? just all the World Cup qualifying, and I follow yeah. obviously. I'm, I'm from an English uh, heritage. Liverpool's my uh, yeah. where my grandfather was from. So and and some Ireland in there as well. So obviously the uh, the the uh, European uh, football scene is kind of naturally gravitates towards me. Are you, are you aware that uh, Canada's playing Panama as we speak? No, I I just remember watching Jama- they got past Jamaica, but I don't know where we're at today. Yeah, well, it's it's uh it's nil nil, and they're just about finished the first half. But uh, yeah, I just I forgot it was even on because they already qualified, so I was so stoked I forgot about the rest of the games. <laughs> anyway, it's it's only been thirty six years or something like that. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like oh, yeah, oh uh, yeah, no, that was really cool to see them. Uh, 
get past Jamaica and kind of, hey, that's it. We're going to the World Cup, I guess. Yeah, 1986 or something like that was Hopefully last no. time. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a mountain. I'm a mountain biker from uh, my younger years, so I can really follow the mountain biking uh, uh, culture as much as I can with the with the downhill racing and uh, assorted uh, uh, UCI. I think UCI is the United yeah. Cycling uh, Confederation for the uh, the world and stuff. And we've got some some hot Canadian athletes uh, doing well in that category. So, but that's kind of a a different area. If you had to look back at all your time on the water, what's the biggest takeaway for you at spending time, whether it's fly fishing or helping people, uh, you know, access the water? What's your big takeaway from what you're doing? I guess, yeah, I think it really comes down to what what if that was me? So I use that mindset myself personally, and then I go, and then I just, once we're out in the water, it's just, I don't know how to even put words to it. Sometimes it's not even about even whether we get the gear in the water. It's like we're out in the you know we're heading out off the off the shore and we're we're in the arena. <laughs> it's just uh, mm-hmm. it's just I don't know. It's it's probably the my life quest to f- try to find the words to to try to describe that. Yeah. How we're <laughs> we're jumping in this vehicle and we're we're going <laughs> looking for that uh, that. Uh, you know, whatever size fish, we always call it the special fish, right? You always want to find, uh, I think they call it Walter. Some people call it Walter, Walter that big that, tro- <laughs> I use that. I use <laughs> that. Uh, I've never met Walter, but I've, I've hooked him a few times. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, that beautiful. It's almost, you're, I, I use the term, we're all 12 years old again, and we're looking for Walter. We're oh, going yeah. fishing, and we're going to go find that big grandpa fish that we've been hunting for for our lives <laughs> you, you know the first time i think i heard that saying was on golden pond i think they they referred to to that fish as walter <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i grew up in victoria sorry um and i saw it was the summertime my friend was fishing dew worms underneath the tilcom bridge and he'd caught a nice 14 inch sea run so we went down and there was Actually, I remember I hooked into an actual spawning perch, a sea perch. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is why the cutties are around. <laughs> the, the perch are spawning. So the little tiny quarter-sized babies are coming out by the hundreds out of these big, big perch. And uh, I see my first sort of 20-inch plus. It must have been a five-pound sea run just sitting two feet below the water, swimming under the bridge, just like a lion looking for something to eat. And it was just like, oh, my, you know, like a small salmon or a five-pound salmon. It was like, oh, my God, look at the size. <laughs> I saw I'm, I'm looking at Walter, and I'm, I'm probably 13, right? I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't realize they were that big. <laughs> yeah, that was a very cool moment. Fill in the blank for me when you're not spending time on the water, fly fishing, or just uh, you know fishing in general. What what are you normally doing day to day? Yeah, so yeah, work and uh, family life. We were a very busy family with uh, activities, and you know, just uh, uh, we uh, we got very fortunate. We uh, secured a uh, seasonal campsite on Sprout Lake, just outside Port Alberni. So we have a five-month-long permanent campsite that we leave our trailer at. So basically, we work five days, we load the vehicle, and we go to the lake for whatever time we've got. And the the lake has got some beautiful fish in it. I haven't caught any yet, but uh, big, beautiful uh, West Coast lake. And we have our I've got an 18-foot uh, uh, campion with a, a 
water wakeboards and other toys and uh, and basically we escape to the lake and we plop ourselves at the campsite with the trailer and uh, play on the boat and it's hmm. yeah that's it's a, that's a super deep lake if i remember yes it's got some big boys in it you got you got to release the 22 inch you have to release that 22 inches and the campsite trophy fish is 21 inches caught by the the uh, person that camps just below us he he caught this thing uh, i think 2 years ago and it, and he he cat he lands it he's a bottom bottom fisher with power bait and, and uh in the stomach he catches it and the stomach's all disfigured and so he cleans it because he's that's he's he's gonna enjoy it and he pulls out a five to six inch crayfish out of the rainbow stomach huh. <laughs> yeah. so that's cool. and i've been told rainbows don't can't crush shells their palate is not designed to crush shells so i'm curious if the rainbows just develop the ability to just gorge the crayfish into their stomach or you hmm. know, swallow it yeah but, i've seen them i've seen well it takes nails all the time so I, they must be able to digest them at some point but i i don't know that's a yeah that's a question for uh, we'll get a scientist on somebody that actually knows yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. somebody said cut cutthroats they have a nice hard palate they can eat clams they can ah. they can eat pretty much anything uh, yeah. from what i was told by somebody but uh, i yeah uh, great uh, i fished that lake on I shouldn't admit this, but I fished on my honeymoon <laughs> about, uh, what are we talking, 27 years ago? Uh, I fished that, <laughs> I don't, don't, don't hold me to that number. I, uh, I caught a beautiful, um, cutthroat in that lake just from, just from the shore. And I just remember thinking, man, this has got to be a deep lake. Cause it sure looks like it just goes, it just looks super, yeah. super deep to me. I don't know how deep it is, but didn't they used yes. to have the water bombers on that lake? That's correct. Yeah, the Mars Water Bomber program was out there. There's some uh, bo- uh, uh, bombers up on the uh, foreshore where the, uh, the 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 hangar is on the lake. It's yeah. Very famous, uh, and uh, yeah, that's a super deep lake, downriggers, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's. Hmm. I was just scratching the surface with a fly rod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk jobs. So, um, what's the best job you've ever had? Let's see. Let's see. Best job I ever had. <laughs> I worked in seafood harvesting in my late twenties when I was free, and 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 uh, basically, uh, I was a windsurfing gypsy. So I lived in my van by choice, and I would uh, windsurf all summer. And uh, and so we were seafood harvesting green sea urchins for the uh, Japanese sushi market. So you'd have a couple of divers on tanks, and I ran the boat and was the dive tender. And we traveled throughout the uh, inland waterways of Vancouver Island to where the uh, urchins were hanging out. And we would uh, dive up a harvest of urchins to uh, ship to Vancouver, to Richmond. And then uh, we would uh, do that on blow days when the weather was going crazy. I would jump in the vehicle and head down to these windsurfing spots and sail – sail in 25 to 40 knots of wind and in, in some of my small gear and basically enjoy, you know, a very fun, uh, pastime of, uh, you know, flying on the wind basically with our, yeah. our small, our small windsurfing gears, you're pretty much, a like a water jet, basically you're, you got one wing and you're doing 25 to 35, 40 miles an hour. <laughs> it's pretty fun. I, I gotta be honest with you. The worst thing, and I, I'll eat anything, but sea urchin for me is like, 
Are you, I had it and I was in Chile and it was like, nope, not going there <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. But, um, do you, have you, you obviously have eaten them. You must have. What, what do you, that was a weird experience for me for some reason. Yeah, yeah, it's caviar, right? It's egg, egg sacs, and it's yeah, it's a very strange. Yeah, you know, we had texture, uh, weird we, we, texture. Yeah, yeah, and then we had rock scallops where we eat the rock scallops right out of the shell on the boat because scallops can be, you can cook scallops, but they're the the, t- the taste isn't too far off raw, and that was beautiful mm. and uh, lots of cra- crab and uh, octopus. We, we were quite fortunate. We had a a chef that was st- um, homesteading on a on a float home middle of nowhere in the uh, Kelsey Bay area of Vancouver Island and sh- she's got her sh- chef's papers and so we br- we'd bring her an octopus and she would prep the octopus and we would <laughs> be dining on beautiful uh, seafood right mm, yeah and that's yeah, one thing so, about so. the island there's lots of seafood and uh, it's pretty <laughs> darn good but um yeah good stuff well hey I'm gonna flip the coin on you what's the worst job you've ever had Worst job, let's see, gosh. I would say I was doing, I was out in Alberta in my, again, in my late teens, early 20s, and we were doing seismic work. So we were, we were putting down the jugs, the, the cones that re- receive the, uh, the vibrations when they do the underground uh, detonations to create, to find out where the oil's hiding. Mm-hmm. So we would put down the jugs and uh, they would do their, their uh, seismic uh, explosions to create, to, 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 to map the uh, the farmland and bald prairie, <laughs> and then you'd go go and pick up the jugs and go put them somewhere else, and, hmm. and it was just one of those one of those unique jobs. Eh? And yeah, I think I qu- I quit because we were in the we were approaching spring, so we put down these jugs in the mud, soft snow. They freeze, and then they wanted us to get. They gave us all hatches and axes, and we had to hack the jugs out of the frozen mud. <laughs> so we could get on with the process. And so you're getting sprayed by frozen mud and snow. And, and it was just like, this is crap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I think I'd rather eat but... sea urchin. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. Someone's yeah. got to do it, right? Yeah, for oh, sure. Man. So have you ever tried kite surfing out of curiosity? A tiny bit. And then it was, I was too, again, too respectful of the learning curve. So basically I said, no, I'm just going to put this one away because it's, there's a certain percentage of, of the early part of your learning curve for kites where you really got to have your stuff together because that thing will mess you up. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they call it a kite mare where the kite doesn't have a, th- a throttle off. So you're, you're basically going for a ride until the, uh, until the, the kite uh, gets out of the power zone. So that was yeah. a famous, uh, in the early days, there were some unfortunate uh, injuries and fatalities from people just, uh, yeah, you got to be very educated on the dynamics of the kite. And yeah. it's gotten better over in the newer age. But uh, I tell you, I yeah, watched so I I watch them out on, on Skaha Lake and, and uh, we get some pretty gnarly winds. And uh, I'm thinking how, like, it looks like you could just take off and that kite would just take you wherever it wanted to, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah it's uh it's to be respected and uh yeah you wear a helmet for a reason and even even with a helmet you might be over your head depending on Hmm. what kind of situation you put yourself in and man does it look like fun though yeah yeah no i had a great uh you know it, well, it, they didn't mean anything bad by it. So in uh, on the West Coast, we're at Nitnat Lake, famous uh, 
uh, brackish saltwater, freshwater lake, incredible fishery, steelhead and big, uh, big salmon river fishing and whatnot. And so a friend's got a Canadian tire fishing rod and he's, he's got his, a new girlfriend there and he's comes to me cause he knows I know a little bit about fishing. He goes, Hey John, have you got any flies that you can lend me? I'm, we're just going to go up to this Creek and, and do a little fishing. They're, you know, they're just not even schooled at anything. They're just, just entering into it so i i've got an old tin fly fishing box that i just had for some reason so i crack it open and i pick a mosquito pattern i think it was even a dry fly so they go up to the creek there's some beautiful lower pools before it enters into the lake and they throw the fly onto the water and they they, they catch an eight pound steelhead wow <laughs> and they actually land it in on the basically a, a kid's canadian tire rod wow anyway and and so this this gentleman you know he, he Later on, and a couple of years later, he goes, "I'm so embarrassed by what we did there." But he didn't; nobody knew anything, so it, hmm. you know, it wasn't his. Anyway, he uh, he's a avid fly fisherman now. <laughs> That's cool. You ever so, fish like the I Englishman? Introduced him to the to the drug. <laughs> you ever fish the Englishman River? Uh, I have not, but I know of a few friends that uh, very very solid fishery up that way. All the the usual contestants along yeah. that that uh, Englishman River, Little Qualcomm, Big Qualcomm. Yeah. Uh, Nile Creek and uh, yeah, right. Quite, quite a nice, quite a nice uh, uh, arena for those folks that uh, get to enjoy that fishery. <laughs> so, John, like getting back to your your craft that you've been designing, you know, for people with disabilities, getting out in the water. Um, John has uh, Robo Revolutions. Look it up on Facebook, and uh, there's pretty cool stories on there, putting smiles on people's faces that. Uh, either have mobility issues or just uh, issues in general getting out. Like it's not, it's one thing to get on the dock. It's another thing to get on the water. And John is helping a lot of people do that. Um, I want you to walk us through your perfect day on the water. So let's say you're out there in one of these craft you've designed, paint us a little picture. Um, who are you taking out there? What are you guys throwing? Um, walk us through that. Okay, I'm going to go into a, it's a smallmouth bass fishing adventure, but I think, you know, the fishing is the, is the key here. So th this was a, uh, a vision I had when I started this project 10 years ago that I would eventually be a passenger and not a driver in a adaptive fishing uh, outing. So what happened, my friend Mark is a T-level spinal cord injury. So he fished last August, once we were comfortable with the pandemic, he fished off my 10-foot uh, adaptive rowboat here in Nanaimo on a, on a little long, a little lake we call Long Lake for uh, smallmouth bass, and Mark's very schooled at that fishery. So he uh, went fishing by himself in the boat with an electric trolling motor. I watched over in a support boat, but basically he fished independent of anybody by himself, solo, and validated the the vision i had in my head so then what happened in late august mark purchases a tro a towing hitch for his uh, toyota rav4 which was a personal trophy for me to go wow this guy's this guy's getting ready to go get his own boat because of my actions he is confident and comfortable enough that he wants to get his own boat and be his own captain so September-ish, early September-ish, Mark finds the boat, a 14-foot 
1448 low john boat purchases it then asks me to help him get into his boat he needs my skill set to help him modify the boat so we go to cutting out the rear bench seat creating a 60 inch by 48 inch deck that mark occupies from his wheelchair next to his 20 horse merc and his electric trolling motor and we i I went to his house. He backs up to the trailer with his really cool backup camera that I didn't even have to give him directions to get the ball under the tongue. So he pulls it in. I go over, drop the trailer onto the ball, hook up the wiring and the uh, safety hooks. I jump in the passenger seat and get driven to the lake. He backs down the boat ramp. I take care of the boat while he pulls the trailer out, parks the trailer. I set up the appropriate loading ramps that allows Mark to access his boat. He jumps in the boat, rolls into the boat. I put the ramps on top of the, tra the trailer where he's parked. Then I jump in the boat and off we go. Absolute. That, another Mount Everest situation that I had in my head that became reality in front of my eyes. And it was a very beautiful moment to go. Okay. I get to be a passenger today and this is Mark's boat and we're going to go fishing. <laughs> How empowering was that for him? Yeah, it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. That's wild. It's hard to put the words right now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Hey man, I, I think that's really cool what you're doing. So do you get out with Mark a fair bit? Yeah, he, uh, We've been out three times and he contacted me today <laughs> and he's saying it's time to get some lines wet well, in, his, in his text. When, when I talked like, to you, yeah. <laughs> I talked to you earlier tonight and you're like, are we still on? I'm like, oh yeah. And you're like, well, uh, can we do it from the water? I'm like, absolutely. But I just, I, I don't know what the cell reception's like, but sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to, to have Mark, uh, yeah, just the ultimate, I call it the ultimate fishing buddy scenario. Cause I get to, be the critical assistant, but I'm also the fishing buddy going, okay, let's go find some fish and have some fun. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it kind of marks the template for many different uh, fisher fishing situations, depending on age or style of injury. He is the video example that I get to share on my social media scrapbook. I call it of, this is, you know, this could be you and your, your grandpa or your, this is you and your best buddy. If they, you know, chose to copy what we're doing, this could be Alberta, yeah. Ontario, Newfoundland. It's kind of like that. We're throwing out that, uh, that vision for people to embrace and, yeah. and, uh, and imitate if they wish and uh, be contacted by somebody that would need some advice from me as to how to achieve what me and Mark have achieved. Well, again, beautiful moment to go. Okay. Yeah, that's I love it. And uh, you what, know, the ultimate. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm going to say one thing. I really admire you're helping one person at a time, and in in a big way. What's the end game with with this? I mean, are you hoping, like you mentioned earlier, to get somebody to invest and say, "Hey, let's let's make this more accessible. Let's get some some craft at different locations, so more than you know, one or two people can use it. Like it's kind of a community type thing." what's the end game i guess seeing the there's a hat it's, some of you might know it uh 
that the BC Wildlife Federation has, and it's Fishing Forever Hat. So it's a program they put on where they go to different parts of the province, and they usually take folks to water's edge on ponds, and some ponds will be stocked and various setups for in our, on Vancouver Island here, they'll bring a bunch of seniors from the care homes. They'll bring them over to this pond that they've stocked trout to give them that opportunity to fish again. So fishing forever from the BC Wildlife Federation at, in, in conjunction with the, the, the appropriate fishing game club, it's the ultimate marriage. When you think about it, if the decision makers decided that this was a safe activity yeah. with my, obviously, my watercraft design that had given the approval stamp i'll call it yeah they go you know we're not just on the water's edge anymore we're out here dragging lazy leeches and uh, <laughs> yeah you know lazy it's leeches. right it, it's right there and you know i'm on vancouver island we're just we've got uh, many many seniors that I, I i think about you know asking that question in a room full of seniors and and wondering how many arms are going to go up going yeah i'll take some of that <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, situation to be in where you, you know, you create that connection to a serious player, like uh, whether it's a foundation or a fishing game club or, you know, a, a sure. federation like, and it's right there to be uh, challenged, you know, that I know the insurance and liability and all the appropriate safety boxes need to be checked, but ultimately, you know, the, the, uh, the end, the end result, end game. You think somebody's gonna go? Okay, we got, our, we got all, got our CP on board. We got all our safety boxes checked. We got a first aid attendant on the boat. Eighty-five-year-old yeah. Fred's taking us to his honey hole that he fished 40, 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like we're going to Penask. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you better have a good four by four. <laughs> that, that, that road's in crap shape. I got. Oh, I got a story for you on that. John, I, I love what you're doing, man. Um, I'd say good luck, but you don't need it. You're already there. I hope this gets yeah. scalable, and I, I hope somebody jumps on board with what you're doing. And, and uh, keep up the good work getting people out on the H2O and uh, putting smiles on people's faces. I, uh, I'm i so glad that our mutual friend uh, Christine Campbell said, hey, you got to talk to John. I, uh, thanks yeah. for doing this. Yeah, my uh, my uh, Okanagan uh, uh, dream is to obviously load up my, my boats that are trailerable and just head inland and come visit you in person. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd take us to uh, the appropriate uh, 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 body of water and uh, and the ultimate fishing show, right? Let's and just basically let, let's make that happen. Yeah, and that's that's where uh, you know Tim taking Tim from Cabela's, and if I if I did get interest from getting Tim on the water and have, have a serious conversation with Cabela's Canada and saying, can you imagine a, a fishing show about, you know, a mm-hmm. very special group of outings where <laughs> we've got, you know, we've got somebody that is taking us to their special spot that they fished, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Love That's it. pretty cool. And I, I keep thinking, I keep thinking of Rick Hansen and going, oh, can you imagine Rick and Cabela's? I mean, what a, what a potential <laughs> yeah. it's just right there to be explored eh? so yeah. the beauty of ex- the beauty of challenging your ideas is probably my greatest goal my greatest victory is finding out having the confidence to try it and success or failure i think maybe that's the key to life is to explore your passion is uh is the gift 
right? Mm-hmm. And you can't fail if you're doing that. You know what I mean? You already succeeded. Yep. And and that's why I yep. think this is gonna this is gonna fly. It already is. We've been chatting yep. tonight with John Pimlet. John is out of Nanaimo, British Columbia, Canada, on Vancouver Island. He's getting people with disabilities out fishing builds and designs, universal access watercraft. He's a, um, I'd call him an inventor. Uh, and he's a uh, glacier uh, by day. Um, look him up on uh, Rowboat Revolutions. Um, thanks for doing this, my friend. Uh, we'll touch base again. Thanks so much for this opportunity. It's great to uh, share you, share with you my, uh, my crazy passion. <laughs> the Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.